You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. All right, welcome back to another episode of Full Draw Fitness. We are recapping Idaho. We did one uh, part one last week, and uh, honestly, it just wasn't the same without our counterpart and our and our other teammate in the in the pack here. So we're bringing in Joe Williams, the third amigo. He's uh, he's going to join us. He couldn't get on for the first one, and uh, man, it's it's not a story um, without Joe, which you will quickly find out and also he um you know this was his first like big time backcountry um like true backcountry yeah. hunting trip so sure. how you doing joe doing good guys i tell you what yes this is my first backcountry trip but i tell you what i'm the guy that can make a six inch trout sound like a 16 inch 14 pound largemouth bass extravagant <laughs> story ever this is the most epic thing you guys will ever hear in your life. <laughs> okay well yeah. uh so that happened just now yeah, yeah we, didn't, we didn't plan for that which is how this whole thing is going to go down so yeah so we ended uh part one and we kind of just talked about you know the experience with uh me stalking and onto in that bowl and then that bull moose popped out and it was just kind of this cluster and we ended up kind of stalking in, you know, the rest of the way up that mountain. But what's funny is, you know, we tried waking you up that morning and uh, I'll put this disclosure out there like Joe's not a sleep in kind of guy. You know, if it's time to get up and go hunt, you know, he's awake. So we wake up in Bivy Camp. I think this was morning two. This was after the death march. Of yeah. Day one. Yep. And and. uh I'm the, I'm the, I, th- I thought I was the last one out of the tent. And so I realized I'm not. And I said to Steven, well, did you wake up Joe? And he said, yeah, I've been trying like crazy. And so we're back over there rattling his tent and hey, Joe, 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 wake up, you know, nothing. And I was like, did he die? Is he, is he breathing? Did he shoot himself after that? So, so he, and, and I, actually, I'll be honest. I thought he hates us so much from the hike that we did yesterday that he's in there literally ignoring us going, I will not hike with you guys. Oh, right, already left in the middle of the night. And then <laughs> so, he just zipped his tent up so we would think, you know, feel bad. So. Literally all of those thoughts crossed my mind. <laughs> so why don't you dive in and tell us your perspective after you finally woke up, whenever that was. Where'd you find us and what went down next? So, yeah, I, re- I, I remember zero of anybody shaking my tent, yelling at my name or anything like that. So I wake up when I see daylight through my tent and I'm like, well, this isn't good because we don't wake up in daylight during hunting season. That's just not how it works. So I 
I look at my uh, my phone. I see it's like 10 after 7. I was like, holy crap, we all slept in. So I poked my head out of the town. I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> guys, you need to wake. We're, we're late. We're in trouble. And then I hear silence. And I was like, son of a bitch, like, left me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I quickly just strap on my gear and thinking, like, holy crap. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they're what, what's going on. I don't know if they heard something and just went chasing after it or whatever the case may be. I don't know if I was half asleep and said, piss off, I'm not hunting anymore after yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that could have happened too. Which we kind of thought was the case. Yeah, I was like, man, he hates us. <laughs> but no, apparently after two and a half days of not sleeping with uh, a long day of travel the night prior of a long day of work and then the day after of uh, elk and wolves and bear trampling through your camp um, <laughs> who, who knows what it was I hadn't slept in two and a half days so I, I just I was out so I wake up at seven o'clock in the morning throw my gear on and I, I just head on out I, I assumed they were out there trying reaching them on the radio and everything and and they were out, so I was like, well, I, I have an idea where they went. Started climbing up the mountain, going up our trail. I sat in a spot where we had sat together prior, and I just put my binos up there. And uh, in the first five minutes, I had, I had, I had picked Courtney out because she had this bright pink, Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? So I, I'm like, oh, that's Courtney. As soon as I threw my my binos up, I hold on. Can we can we just say it was like mauve or like maroon it was, or it was bright pink. anything other than bright pink? <laughs> okay. Is that no, Joe, was that the like, one with the little small. was that the one with the little rabbit tail thing on the top of it? Oh god. Yeah, before we cut it off. Oh, that's yeah. right. I hate my life right now, but keep talking. <laughs> No, it was like support breast cancer pink running yeah. around across the mountain. Well, yeah. that way we don't get shot by a rifle hunter. Well, you'd be surprised what we can run onto up there. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. I, I see that. I've, I, so I, I start watching her. And while I'm watching her through this, the, the binos, as I'm, I don't know, I'm a thousand yards away. She's in stalker mode. And I'm trying to figure out where the hell she's going. And so I, I pull the vinyls down. I can't see anything. There's no elk in front of me where, or in front of her that I can see. So what, listening to what you guys were talking about on the last podcast, I'm literally on the ridge straight across from you. So I'm at the same level you are, just, just across from you. So what you guys can't see, I can and you guys didn't know I was there because you thought I was passed out sleeping, so it was really cool. <laughs> so I, 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 I spot out Courtney, watching her make this stock on whatever it was. I didn't see until literally I saw it. The moment it saw her and the moment she saw it was that bull moose. The second Courtney went into panic mode, I went into panic mode. It was like, holy crap. <laughs> this, <laughs> this could be bad. <laughs> so I literally, at that point, I unstrapped my pack 
and threw off any heavy gear I had in, anticip- in, in anticipation to run down and up to stop whatever I could <laughs> from happening. Well, at that point, that as she said, that thing kind of just turned and walked away. I was like, okay, well, bad situation. This went to, to better. And so I looked up the hill and I see Steven dropping up the hill chasing a bull. Steven didn't see the bull that I saw run. If I, if I remember correctly, that bull was running from south to north in a hurry. And he didn't, he, he knew we were there. He didn't know what was going on. Um, and, and that's, that's the extent of the, the view that I saw from across the mountain was like, holy crap, what's happening? There's animals everywhere. Courtney and Steven are in the middle of everything. How the hell did I sleep in on this day? <laughs> that's pretty much how I remember it as well. Yeah. That's, uh, man. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a, quite a busy, you know, it went from nothing. We, we got out there and we didn't see the, the normal, you know, migration from, uh, from kind of the south side or whatever. And so we looked over this one little patch of timber and we're like, man, we haven't gone in there yet. It seems perfect. And then we kind of got up into a spot and that's, you know, where we left off last time and, and, and went from there. And, you know, that bull that ended up coming up and, and running across like the top of me about 80, 90 yards up there wasn't even the bull that she saw. It was a smaller satellite bull. And right, um, yeah. until that monster up the hill, you know, we say hill like it's a yeah. some little hill, <laughs> you know, this death trap of a mountain. Um, he bugles and then we both lost our mind and was like, well, it'll probably only take 45 minutes to an hour to get up there. We might as well just go. Yeah. And that you know, whole- the fact that you say that, though, it's an hour and a half to or a half hour, and five minutes to get up there for you guys to say that to get 45 minutes. <laughs> it, it, it's 400 yards. Yeah, at max to go mm-hmm. that distance, but <laughs> for the average human being, uh, me, that's like two hours. <laughs> it was, dude. We got up to a certain spot, so we we get up. Um, I I made a couple cow calls and court called back, <clears throat> and I was like, "Oh man, she's coming up. This is awesome." You know, because I would have I. If my arm was twisted, I would have come back down, but I, I wanted to go up and we talked about that saddle, I think the day before anywhere and we're like, man, we need yep. to get up to that saddle and whatever and see what's over in the other basin just in case we want to, you know, get out of this monster if we blow it out or whatever. And, um, so we, we started, we started up there. I think we both stopped in the middle and shed a couple layers or something and had a snack. And then we, we pounded up there and right as we got into the timber court finds these this series of, of beds, this whole bedding area and this huge deadhead literally in a freshly used bed. Mm-hmm. So the elk are, and, and you could tell I me, mean, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a, an elk, um, expert, but it sure looked like a kill. It wasn't, it didn't look like a hunter kill. It looked like, like a predator kill. Yeah, you know what? I kind of wondered though, because when we were walking up there, I first saw like the scapula. Mm-hmm. which caught my attention. And so I walk over and there was, you know, there was like the entire remains of that bull in there, but he had two broken tines. And so I kind of wondered if 
he had had, you know, he had gone through the rut and been into a couple fights and got hurt got and hurt. came back to bed and then died in his bed. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, we'll never know at the same time, you know, what happened. It, Typically, they don't die after being shot in, their, know, in their bed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah typically not. Yep. So we, we thought he either got into a fight or got, you know hit by a predator or something but so we get there and and you're thinking man we're we've made it somewhere this is way up there we thought and we kept going and going and going and going and going and i remember looking over a couple times at her and it was getting so steep and we're so high you know you're at 92 9300 feet and uh it was like 10 steps breathe mm-hmm. 10 steps breathe did you have any of those experiences joe me? No, I'm in the best shape ever. <laughs> so I never got tired. <laughs> so let's talk about your journey just a little bit. So, you know, you had started working on training and kind of changed like an overhaul on your diet, went keto and lost a pretty decent amount of weight. So you went into this, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in better shape than you have been in a long time. Is that right? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. So i I have a uh, I have a job where it requires me. I sit in my truck and I travel a lot. So I I run around the state of Oregon and the state part of the state of Washington. And I sell heavy equipment. So I sit in my truck, towing around a gooseneck trailer full of gear or whatever it is, and and uh, that's what I do. And I'll spend time on the road a week at a time, and and come home on the weekend so I can. See my dog. I, I live alone, kind of deal. Um, see my dog and, and do that, do my thing. But uh, I got into bad habits of making piss poor decisions on what I ate, and so living down in California at, at that point before I moved here, I got up to a good amount of weight where I was about three hundred fifteen pounds. So in, in my whole life, I've been an athlete. I've, I've taken care of my body. I've worked hard. Uh, I've eaten the right food and I got into a position where I just took the easy route and um, realized I was heading in the wrong direction. Courtney's been my friend for a lot longer than the amount of time that I've made the decision to get healthy, but she, she put me on the right path. So when we talked about this hunting trip, I really made that decision to decide, okay, well, they're making me scared just thinking about these pills and everything. <laughs> so I better, I better, I better do something. So I did. I lost about at that point. I lost about forty five pounds, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. So, kind of answer your question. Yes, I went from a a, a, a pretty fat guy. That, that was an athlete who still could move around and, and do things athletically to a guy that could climb those mountains and only bitch a little bit. <laughs> Perfect summary. Gosh, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah I don't, can't add anything to it. You, you were a trooper from day one and, um, you know, all the, uh, all the, all the times where the going got tough you were right in the mix and not a lot of people can go. Not that I'm or Courtney's some kind of super freak athlete, but we, we definitely have a drive when it comes to hunting or, or pretty much, you know, anything like that outdoors. And, um, the will to get up that hill heavily outweighs the, the pain suffering or time that it takes. So, um, 
Yeah, man, it was it was epic. It was just, uh, and I'd like to ask you this question. Courtney asked me this on the last podcast, and I I, I want to get your your take on it as well. Um, so when we were coming in, we were obviously in Idaho. We're leaving the rest to to the imagination. But when we were coming into, uh, let's say before we got out of town, until the time that we found our spot where we made our base camp, what's that first most memorable? Um, time, place, event, memory that you have of of how it all started. So I I listened to your guys' first podcast, and both of your your uh, explanations, what you remember, are pretty spot on. I, I remember both of them vividly. For me personally, was the moment we left Ketchum after after you said, "Hey Joe, I I need you to drive. I'm not feeling so good." Hopped in the truck, we start driving up the mountain. We're seeing like elk crossing signs. I'm getting all excited, like, oh, this stuff looks really good. My fan ass can hike it. Ah, no problem. We're gonna kill some elk. As soon as we got into like the hunting area, and I saw this the sheer cliffs and straight drop-offs, my heart dropped. And I realized I am in over my head. (laughs) I am going to fake this till I make this, or I am going to fail miserably. Um, And I I remember, like, I I must have portrayed it pretty good because you guys didn't notice it, but I was panicking inside when we were driving up the road when I saw those mountains. I wanted to cry. I was like, I want, I just, this is terrible. If there's... (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. Those are the steepest things I've ever seen in my life, let alone hunted. But the the fact that you two were so optimistic, I was on board the whole time. I went from sheer terror to, ah, hell, I can do this. Yeah, that first that first bit of uh, of landscape was absolutely daunting. I mean, it was, and the one thing that I remember the most out of all of it was Courtney going, how fit do you guys feel now? And it was just radio silence crickets for about the longest 10. It was like a, it was like walking four feet and considering it a mile. That was how long that silence was. We're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. You guys ever been in that position where your trainer is like, hey, how'd your workout go yesterday that I couldn't make it to? And you're like, oh, wait, great. But inside you're like, I didn't go. Uh, i'm not sure if i can relate but i'm gonna pretend (laughs) that i can yeah so inside it was like oh yeah i'm so ready but uh or on the outside it was i was so ready on the inside it was like i I don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah man so 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 anyway we we um I, I love the the thought of just pulling into there for the first time and getting our, uh, you know, driving through the creek and um, getting our base camp all set up and whatever. And then, you know, we talked about our first sleepless night being trampled all night long by animals. Yeah. How'd you feel about that, Joe? What was that experience hey, every like? Second of it. <laughs> all of it. I literally, for the first time in my, I do not get scared. I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid to sleep alone in the mountains. I, I, nothing scares me literally at all. That night I was 
terrified. I slept <laughs> two days. I slept with a loaded pistol in my hand, <laughs> not knowing what was going to walk over the top of me. It was nuts. I've never experienced anything like that, being in, in the backcountry, being anywhere, you know, not even that far off the grid. Um, it was different. It was a different... Do I remember you saying the next morning that you thought it was a cougar and then you thought it was five cougars? <laughs> yeah. Was that a, I think there might have been a cougar or there might have been five cougars. Yeah. It was, well, I think I said wolves. I was like, oh, man, I, I could have swore I heard wolves and I think it was it was five wolves. Pretty sure and it made for a really dramatic story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure I got out of the tent and wrestled one. Yeah, that was a that was a very interesting night. Uh, there was a lot of different foot sounds. Yeah, there was there really you could was. tell there was some elk, and then you could tell there was like a a deer, maybe a small deer, and then there was some kind of slipper pillowcase style. Do you know what? That's that's what really bugged me. You're right. There's you could tell there were some heavy hooved animals that walked through. Those ones they didn't bug me at all. Like I could like I'd wake up, I'd hear the noise, I'd be like. Oh shit! There's a there's a deer. There's an elk walking by. We're in the wrong freaking spot. Yeah. Or I heard a soft footed something that I like. The hair stood up on the back of my neck while I was sleeping in my sleeping bag in my tent with a pistol in my hand. There's something sneaking around my tent. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I remember that clearly. I was not a huge fan and it got worse on day three when we started finding the wolf crap in the, in the trail, you know, then I was really like, you know, base camp doesn't sound that bad. (laughs) (laughs) The the extra four miles of hiking before and after the hunt, I'm down for it. No big deal. It's a warm up and a cool down. But then you have to think, well, then you have to travel that entire distance and expose yourself to everything else out there in order to make that trip in the dark both ways. So it's like, all right, I'll just put on my pink hat and call it good. (laughs) (laughs) Your pink hat was awesome. So, So day, um, gosh, I don't, I'm not gonna act like I know what day it was. Uh, one morning we get up and, um, you know, every day except for the day after the death hike, um, up the the side of the mountain and we had to abort mission and it got a little sketchy, a lot sketchy. Um, you, you slept in that morning and not by much, but you know, just enough to see the shenanigans going on the side of the hill. A couple days later, we, we got up and Courtney's like. I'm just gonna hang out this morning. Just gonna, just gonna take a a little bit extra time. And you and I got up, and we had some breakfast and some coffee, and um, we walked out, still in the dark, and we got to our to our normal glassing spot in the morning. And I remember it being pretty windy that morning. We kind of tucked in those that kind of scrub brush and jack pines, and I hunkered down in a spot, and you were posted just in front of me. I mean, not even really down the hill, but, you know, if there's a direction, I would say down. And, you know, you the tree that you were, or group of trees, pines that you were setting against was just to my left. Yep. And we were, man, we were stealthy. We were real quiet. The wind was good, but it was, it was blowing pretty good and it was cold. And I remember sitting there and I remember putting my, my hood up and, uh, and I was like, man, this would be a great, 
time to move, you know, if we see something, it'd be a great opportunity to move because nothing's going to hear us because of this wind. And um, I had this. So the, the same thing that happened on day one, you know, I had this, this sixth sense. Something just told me to turn around when I turned around when I was sitting up there. You know, when I left, when I peeled off from you guys and I saw that big bowl and then I radioed you guys and you guys came up, I had that same feeling. And uh, this is probably 35, 40 minutes after we've been out there, maybe 30 minutes. And so I turned around and I looked way, I mean, how far, I think I ended up measuring it, but I, it was somewhere between eight and 900 yards up that, up that base at that mountain. And I remember thinking man, everything in my body is telling me to turn around. So I turned around and I had to poke out from the trees and there is this freaking biggest bull I'd ever seen in my life, which ends up being that same bull that I saw on day one. So I'm like trying to be louder than the, the wind, but not too loud to be a jackass and get your attention. Like, Joe, <laughs> Joe, 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 there is an absolute hog up this hill. And I don't hear you, and I don't hear you, and I don't hear you. So I tuck over, and you are looking bad. And I'm like, J whoa, man. Hey. Hey, there's this bull. It's, look up there. Pull your glass up. And you picked your, your binos up. And we both saw it. And once you put it in glass, it was just an absolute, I mean, it looked like a billboard. And it's like, you know, a bull of a lifetime. And I'm stoked. I'm like, I'll, I'm like an idiot. I'll run all the way up that hill and go after him. And you were kind of grabbing your, your lower stomach. And you were like, man, I'm not doing too good. I feel like I've got some kind of a stomach cramp or something bad is happening in my stomach. And he said, I can't go with you, man. I can't make it up the hill. I'll just slow you down. There's something major, major wrong. I can't go. And I'm like, are you okay? And you were like, go, just go. He's huge. Go after him. Yeah, that's it, man. I remember looking up in my binos and that, and like you said, that, that dude was 800 to a thousand yards away and his horns filled my fucking scope. <laughs> it was, I was like, literally, I, <laughs> I'm looking through like all of my mind. I want to go up there. It's it's a hard hike. It's going to be tough. It's going to be long. It's going to be miserable. I want to go. Everything in me said, just tough it out and go. But there was this thing in my my gut saying, "You ain't going." Yeah. So right. Yeah. I told, yeah. I told you. I'm like, bro. I I am not going to be the guy that holds you back from that thing. Go get him. I wish you the best of luck. If you don't see me back here in an hour, I'm I'm gone. I'm at, I'm in town. And so off he went. He's like, okay, man, I hope you get to feeling better. So up you went, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Go get that guy. So, so I, I, I and, and no, I go, go ahead. and I pounded up there. And uh, so most people don't know the rest of this story, so I'm, I'm trying not to give it away too much. But I pound up the hill, and it's a long, you know, like we said, it's a long ways up there. And fast forward, you know, I play the wind. I I did what I feel was everything right. I mean, the, the, the thermals hadn't switched yet. There's no way he saw me. I mean, I used the terrain to my advantage. There's points where I couldn't even see him anymore because there's these knobs and whatever. So I get up within about 100 yards. And then I slow down. I let myself cool down a little bit because I got a little sweaty on the way up. Um, I probably used a third of my wind checker, just making sure I was where I needed to be. And I got up close, and I got up close, and I got up close. And 
I remember glassing back down because I'm thinking like, man, it's fun to watch somebody scramble up a hill and, and to watch like I've seen my buddies chasing mule deer and elk. And you're like, it's like a video game. Which way are they going to go in this? And so I'm looking down and seeing if I can spot you and you're not there anymore. So I'm like, man, hopefully didn't get sick. And, you know, we'd been purifying water and boiling water because we're right next to the, the the stream or whatever. And it's, you know, I can't imagine that anybody's got beaver fever or, or, or not, you know, or drinking bad water. So I'm like, oh, man, maybe he just didn't boil his water very good or something. So long story short. I get up there and all of a sudden he's not there. I look over his cows, which I didn't know he had, are running straight up of what I consider like a lunar surface, like the surface of the moon. And they're going straight up. That thing looked exactly like the side of the moon if you were to look at it on a movie. (laughs) It was was so nasty. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, why would. Yeah, why would they ever go straight up that instead of taking a game trail? It makes no sense. It just doesn't make sense. Not even an elk. And so when I get there, I don't see the bull. And then I see him probably 300 yards below them. And he's walking on a game trail. And I'm like, there's no way they winded me. And there's no way they saw me. And so I'm sitting there. And as I look down the uh, basin a little bit more, there's three guys. And they're talking as loud as can be. They came from the north face of that slope. And they blew him out. So now I'm pissed. I walk up another three, 400 yards just to get away from him. Um, fast forward 20 minutes, I'm over there being pissed off. And all of a sudden this other giant bull comes running out from where they went back in. So I'm like, sweet game on. They blew another bull out of there. I'm probably 400 feet from the top. I think I looked at, um, Onyx maps and cause I'd saved my, my offline maps. And I think that it said that I was at like 9,600 and that, that crest was right at 10,000. And, um, I said, man, if I bust butt, I can beat him. I can beat this elk. You know he's going to go up and over. It's at least that's what I told myself. So I bust over there. I never met up with him. And so now I'm like, dang, man, I'm going to try to make radio contact with, with Joe Court. So at that same time, you had come back to camp. And I had set the, the uh, alarm on my Garmin. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to get up. At this time, and I'm going to, I'm going to actually going to hunt back up this hill behind camp into this little area. And I was like, I was watching it to a T. I was not getting out of my tent until it was like that hand moved straight up and down. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, then it's time to go. Well, well, as I'm just getting ready to rock, you come into camp and you're like, man, I got something going on with my gut, not feeling good. And I'm like looking at you going like, yeah, you're. You're not good. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard you complain about anything before. So I, you know, I definitely took that as like, okay, you know, something. He's not just mad at us for all this hiking. You know, he's he's not doing good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I instantly thought that like, man, did, did you purify water good enough? You know, and because we were using Sawyer bags and, you, you know, boiling stuff and it should have been totally fine. But then you start thinking back to like, you know, oh, no, I hope you didn't get some parasite or something. And so you're not doing good. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I can't just hike out of camp and go hunt. And it's funny because I have, there's no reason that I stayed in camp that morning other than just this little feeling of, I'm going to just take it easy this morning. And looking back on the scenario and what ended up, you know, going down, I'm so glad that that little voice from wherever it came from decided to say, 
you know, hey, just just relax, just yeah, hang at camp you. just a little bit longer. So we decide, you and I kind of talk and try some different tricks and stuff, and, and it's getting worse and getting worse. Um, and I, I remember finally looking at you and going, we have to, like, we got to go back to camp. If... If anything, we at least need to be at base camp, you know, where you can be comfortable and and try to get this, whatever the hell this is managed. And if not, then we're going to go, then we're going to go to the hospital, which ended up being like an hour and a half away. So you started making your way down to our base camp and I kind of hiked up in there to radio Steven to get a hold of him. And I was, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get a hold of him because we had, none of us had been keeping our radios on as, and especially Steven, you know, he, his, his kind of likes to eat at batteries. And so he was concerned. Yeah, that was, that was the scariest part was knowing that when we hadn't discussed on when to turn the radio on, yeah. when to turn it off, because we, we didn't plan on splitting up Steven and I, and we planned on kind of just hanging out not too far from camp and doing our thing. And, and like you said, when I rolled into camp, things weren't right. And I, I, so kind of to back up a little bit from where you were left off, I tried. I, I was like, I'm just going to lay down in my tent and see if I can get this, see if I can sleep this off. Whatever it is, I didn't know what it was. I've never experienced it before, but it was, a, it was, it was obviously bad. So I, I tried laying down side stomach back whatever it could be and it was not going away whatsoever so i spent about 20 minutes uh, go to the bathroom go drink water boil water drink water eat food whatever i could do nothing stayed down everything mm-hmm. I, I threw it up or it, it came out the bottom end whatever the case may be it was not staying down mm-hmm. and so that's when you said okay well you better make your way back down to camp i'll catch up to you you went up to radio for steven and then that's that's where things kind of got a little hairy was we didn't know who had a radio on, who didn't, and, and what the case may be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely was. That was a moment for me where, you know, you never – you never really want to plan for that, you know, that mishap or that emergency to happen. But, you know, having some sort of a game plan on, you know, if all hell breaks loose, a a way of communicating. I mean, you're, we're hours from any kind of service or any kind of communication. And so finding a way to just stay in touch when things do go down is, is pretty damn important, you know? So yeah. And actually I I had hiked up there and I, I think I stood there for maybe 10 minutes just going, there's really nothing else I can do. I can't just start making my way up this mountain and hope I run into him. You know, I'm just going to stand here with my radio. And, and honestly, like 10 minutes later, he's like, Hey, anybody there? And I was like, Holy crap. Yeah, I'm here. Yep, I'm here. And I'm heading down to base camp. Joe's already making his way down and, you know, not sure what's going on, but things aren't looking good. And I remember saying to him, I was like, he's like, you know, I'll come down. It'll take me a couple hours. I was like, there's no reason, you know, like I'll make sure Joe's good. You just stay up there and you kill that freaking bull. You, (laughs) you be packing meat down when we come back, you know? And, um, I was so motivated when she told me that not to interrupt, but I was absolutely exhausted because now for almost three hours straight, I was pounding up and across this mountain, chasing two different bulls and literally going as hard as I could. 
I, I wanted to leave this entire hunt without any regrets whatsoever or anything left on the table. And when she was like, and I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm all the way up here at the top of this ridge where I can see the other basin, which is 10,000 feet. It's, it'll probably take me a couple hours to get back down there where you're at. She's like, don't you come down here. You don't come back until you get something on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, man, maybe my food hit me at the right time. Or she just, you know, your, your lady telling you, you stay up there and you get the job done. You do your job. And I was like, Rah! I threw my pack back on and, you know, didn't even have anything to chase. I just got on the move. So, no, so which was good because there was no way by the time we got to camp, by the time Courtney met me at camp, we weren't waiting for you. So it's a good thing you stayed yeah. up there. Well, yeah. you had left probably, I don't know, a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I, I was literally a good 35 minutes ahead of you because when I left, I went down. You went up about 10 minutes later up to get a hold of Steven. And then you went back into our bivy camp to grab your stuff yeah. It took me so long to go those two miles. Um, I literally, uh, I, if I were to count seven or eight times, probably, I literally got on my hands and knees and just was like, okay, this is it. This is, I don't know what's wrong, but this is the time that I go, whatever. <laughs> You know, I have to, I have to like, I, I like, I always try to like look at scenarios like from a multitude of different perspectives and directions. And uh, I, I love you to death, but your misery for just a second could be pretty funny. If you think about like you crawl, <laughs> hold on, let me finish. If, <laughs> if, if you, th- if you think about that being in that scenario again and like crawl, like, you know, you're like a manly dude, but you're like, crawling in the middle of the wilderness out of this thing just imagine seeing like a hiker or something you know like walking through there like hey man what's up this this big dude camoed out he could probably kill you with his bare hands crawling out like a like yeah. a wounded animal yeah out of the i mean not funny was, not funny but know, kind of funny you know i was waiting for somebody to come walking or that we're the only idiots that walked up there everybody else had freaking horses and mules <laughs> so i'm waiting for some guy to come by on a horse and see me on my hands and knees in misery <laughs> like I'm, I'm waiting for john wayne to be like hey you're you're a bitch or whatever or a guy to pick me up and take me take me back down the mountain no oh. nobody showed up no john I, wayne huh I wish, man. I I walked the whole freaking time back to camp and get down there. I'm like, okay, give me some time. I'm going to, whatever this is, it'll go away. There is nothing in the world, nothing, nothing, nothing I would leave camp for to go to the freaking hospital. I don't go to the hospital for anything ever. I I don't, I, I don't go to a doctor on a regular basis. I don't go, I, nothing ever, let alone leave where we're at to go for a two hour drive in misery. So, to go to a hospital. so but, but ladies, he does brush his teeth and bathe regularly. So that's really, really good to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we get down there and I see you and I'm like, Hey buddy, you know, 
if you just got to fart real bad, I'm going to be pretty disappointed right now because <laughs> this is about to blow out an entire day of elk hunting. I remember looking at you and saying, like, I know that's a joke, but I hope <laughs> that's what this is. <laughs> so I try. I try. Is this not, is, I, I'd go out in, into my corner of the woods. I'm like, this, is got, this has got to fix it. And I, nope, it didn't fix it. Or no. I'd burp and be like, nope, that didn't fix it. Yep. So I... I I don't have to convince you much more. We get you in the truck and and uh, start heading out of there. And I remember that moment I looked at you and I said, all right, buddy, I'm driving your big old Chevy truck. And I said, am I driving really cautious and avoiding the bumps or are we having a baby right now? And you're like, drive fast. We're having a baby. <laughs> and I've never, I mean... I can't say I broke any laws, but I definitely pushed the limits on getting us to town. And of course, there's a freaking, this town has more people in it than have ever been there in the history of this town. <laughs> and this one day, there's a parade. What was that parade? Like 20 miles freaking long. There's this bike, there's this bike competition going on. And I mean, I've got flashers on. I've got this cop waving me through so we can get to the emergency room. And it was a, it was like, is this really happening? Steven, Steven, Steven. Labor Day parade or something like that. I think it was. I'm like, Steven's up there killing a monster bull and we're like dumb and dumber in this town right now. <laughs> well, I'm literally like anybody that saw us drive through that town. I don't, I don't cry. I don't wince. I don't show pain. I'm literally in the, in my passenger seat in my truck. Sucking your like, thumb. Trying not to pass out. Like that, that's as far as this pain went is like this, I was in and out of like consciousness and I know Courtney's driving my 70,000 truck, 80 miles an hour on a gravel road with bicycles next to us. <laughs> so, so when she says, I might not have broken any laws, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then that happened. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we get into town and yeah, we hit, we hit traffic. We're like, they're, this is a town of like 500 people. Why are we getting traffic? And I had no energy to get mad, but sure shit, Cordy did. She was mad. She rolled the window down, was yelling at anybody and everybody that was in front of us. <laughs> this is great. I haven't heard this part of the story. No, this is the best part. This is when you know you're hunting with the, your best friends ever. Yeah. Because they will say anything and do anything to take care of you. Well, the real struggle came when you were like literally almost passing out, you know, and I just kept thinking he's going to be out cold. And, and then what do I do? You know what yeah, I mean? So you can't carry my fat ass out of the truck. <laughs> fear, fear for me really sat in when you were just like, you know, you were in pain and that was hard enough to see, but then it, it, it went from like pain to like, he's going down. Like he's, he's, he's out, you know? So um. Yeah. Why don't we fast forward to the part where you tell us about what happened next? So yeah, we we finally get through the the town with the help of the officer. We we went through some barricades, and the officer was like, "Hey, you can't drive through here." We're like, "The hell, we can't. We need to get to the hospital." He's like, "Oh yeah, okay, go this way." And gone through town, get through it, get to the hospital. Court drops me off. I walk into the ER. She says, I'm going to find a place to park your big-ass truck. So I'm standing in the ER, and 
this young gal working at the counter is like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't fucking know, but I need to see a doctor. <laughs> Something's, <laughs> Something's wrong because I just drove two hours to get here. And I'm at this point, we're not even seeing eye to eye. I'm on my knee with my hand on the counter so she, so she knows I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, we're pretty busy. Um, can you take a seat? I'm like, this is me taking a seat. Like, I, I, this needs to happen quick. Uh, I have a good job. I have money. I have insurance. Like, what do you need from me? I have my wallet. Here, Here's here's my wallet. Take what you need out of it and get your freaking help. <laughs> and uh, so Courtney comes in. By, by that time, nothing happened. It's, I swear to God, the people in the ER, they're immune to people in pain. And God bless them. They see it all the time. And they have to do their job. So I, I don't get mad at anybody. But Corny comes in and says, hey, this needs to happen quick. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So we get, in, we get into a triage. We get into a room. They throw me in a bed. And... From that point, honestly, I I kind of I kind of black out. I don't remember too much other than what Courtney says. From I, I re, all I remember is laying down in the bed, and they they start putting uh, IV in me and plugs on my fingers and checking my heart rate, and then I was done. And then Courtney was sitting there the whole time, so you can go from there. Yeah, well, they once they kind of figured out like this is we're not just waiting around on this one. They got you right back there, and um, yeah, you you were pretty much like your heart was about to explode. You were in so much pain. I mean, all the bells and whistles that could be going off were going off, and um, yeah, that was that was pretty difficult to to witness, and uh, you know, obviously getting getting through it you know i was relieved that we got some answers and stuff but they knew pretty much right away the the nurse that took you in um called it she's like you look like you're passing a kidney stone buddy and um she you know she said this this is arguably the closest experience that you can ever have to giving birth to the to the pains that a woman would go through during labor and uh it was very apparent you know what was going on so they they wheeled you in for a ct scan like ace ace stat you know and, and got you in there and and uh got you taken care of and sure enough it ended up being a a kidney stone and and actually you had almost completely passed it by the time we had got there yeah, almost passed it by the time we got there. So it was uh, literally went through from the, 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 the hike into camp to the drive into the town to the time waiting in the hospital to the time in the bed where they actually gave me some drugs to help the pain. Because by the time they hooked me up to the machines, they, they saw the pain level, obviously. They saw, okay, this guy's not just here because he's, he's an idiot. So they started pumping me full of stuff to help that, that pain. Um, which, which, by God, did it help? Um, that was the most epic stuff I've ever had in my body ever. <laughs> so I don't know that why that's so funny. funny. Yeah, and, uh, you're like, let's go so, hike. <laughs> yeah, but well, we get done and we, we start. And so I remember this: the pain subsided. They they done the stuff for the pain, but obviously nothing had passed at that time. So. 
this whole time we're thinking, oh, is this a, a appendix? Is this is to the appendix burst or gold gold uh, goldstone or gold bladder or whatever that they say happens? So that all those bad things are running through our heads of is this a dire situation? And then towards the end, we kind of tried to reason with ourselves between me and Courtney as we're driving in. Hopefully this is a kidney stone. Yeah, it sucks, but hopefully that's all this is, right? And so when we heard that, I think that eased up a little bit of the worry. It didn't ease up the pain by any means, but less less of the worry and the stress. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, yeah, this looks like a textbook kidney stone. And, and, but what they didn't know is what I went through before we got there. And that was the funny part is when things calmed down a little bit, the doctor came in after the CT scan was like, okay, hey, so tell me about this. What were you experiencing? Where were you? I was like, well, we were about two and a half to three miles in to the back country. I was in the middle of a hunt. I started feeling these pains and decided to go back into my baby camp, tried to lay down. Nothing helped. I went to the bathroom. I threw up. I drank water. I ate food and it came back out. Walked another two miles back to my base camp, tried to lay down in a comfy cot and a fireplace in our, our, our wall tent. And that didn't help. Then it was a two hour drive into town because you guys got a freaking parade going on. <laughs> she laughed at that. She's like, okay, well, she goes, yeah, no, it, it's a kidney stone. And her words exactly were, you know, people put this in the same pain as a woman that is giving birth to a baby. And I looked her dead in the eyes. I'm like, a woman's got nine fucking months to prepare for this. I had two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so how many babies did they end up finding? Well, seven. <laughs> there were there were seven in my kidneys, and I'm still passing them today. None of them, I'll tell you this, none of them as painful as that one, but they are still coming out. Have you named any of them yet? <coughs> Stephen and Courtney are the names of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, so now back to my side of this. So this whole time, you, you mentioned appendix. When I got Court on the radio, she's like, I think Joe's having... <laughs> Something going down and from, you know, the symptoms and kind of where he's grabbing it. it, I'm a little worried about his appendix. And I'm like, oh, crap, because my appendix almost ruptured when I was 16 or 17. Had to be rushed to the hospital and have him taken out. And that's like, it's a different level of pain. And so I'm like, oh, man, it's a long way back to base camp. And just do whatever you need to do. Don't worry about me. Um, If I don't see you guys at bivy camp tonight, then I'll just crash out and um you know i'll see you tomorrow or, or whatever i'm good to go don't worry about it so <clears throat> from basically from then until i don't even remember when i finally got you guys on the radios but i hunted all day long <clears throat> i think i came back around three and um just kind of washed my face off and i got some i refilled my water bladder got a little bit of food at bivy camp and um, just lightened my load and pounded up the hill, the mountain right behind our camp. And I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to keep going. And when I, I got up the hill, 
and I heard a little bit of noise and um, the wind was bad and I just felt like super guilty. I was like, man, I need to just get, I need to get back to base camp and see what the deal is if they're there or at least try to, you know, at least get a mile or, or so closer to maybe we can make radio contact. And because um, the topography keeps you from, you know, reaching out there until you get in that, you know, the entrance of that basin. And so <clears throat> I remember looking at all three of the tents back there at Bivy Camp. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get what everybody would need to sleep tonight at base camp. And so I grab sleeping bags like your puffy jacket, um, my sleeping bag, sleeping pads, whatever we needed. Right. Threw it in my pack um, and just started heading down the trail. And I think I got probably like 20 minutes down the trail. And I just every five minutes I'd hit the radio. And then Courtney's like, hey. I'm like, holy cow. You know, <clears throat> hey, what's happening? What's going on? And Well, we had got back to base camp. And I was I noticed that you weren't there. And I was like, great. So. You know, it's hard to leave somebody out so far from anything, you know, nine times out of 10, nothing's going to go wrong. But, you know, in a situation where you need somebody else with you or something happens, you have no communication, no way of, you know, letting anybody know or having any help or anything like that. So we pulled in and I think it was like almost six o'clock or 545 or something like that. And I was like, Steven's not here. I'm I'm going back up. I've got to go, you know, check in with him and figure out what's going on. And and right I remember in- having that conversation with you. I, I need to go up and get Stephen. I was like, let's get him on the radio. But right now, I feel really good due to the morphine going through my system. I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like right as we had to make that decision, he was like, hey. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> awesome. I'm like, oh, man. I'm so glad to get you guys on the, the, the radio. I grabbed... <laughs> You know, literally as much as my pack can hold with our stuff just to be comfortable tonight at, at base camp, you know, to sleep in or whatever. And and she's like, how far down the trail are you? But it was really broken up. And I'm like, if you can hear me, stay there at base camp and I'll see you guys in however long it takes me to get back, you know. And by that time, and I was hiking at a pretty decent pace. I mean, that whole time we were there, I was on some kind of speed hiking thing for some reason, but... Man, as soon as I had radio contact with you guys, I just started power hiking back. And I remember thinking that it took us, I don't even remember what the numbers were, but it took us a certain amount of time to get there and back the couple times we'd hiked it before. And I was like, I'm going to beat it by 10 minutes. (laughs) And then I'm like, wait a second. There's nobody back here to help me when I break my ankle from trying to hike too fast. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And uh, I remember walking down that road behind camp and seeing you guys and Courtney kind of came out to meet me and it was, uh, it was just awesome to see you guys and see, cause I still had no idea. And I, and I had an epic day of hunting. Then I wanted to, sh- I was so excited. I wanted to share that, but I wanted to know what was happening with you guys too. So, so as we're standing there, of course, my moose is back in camp. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I have my camera out. I have my camera out and I'm, I'm taking a video of this moose and in the background of that video, as I'm standing there, you hear, it came out. And sure enough, Joe delivered as soon as we yeah. got back to camp. Yeah, so technically right now I'm, I'm $5,000 out of pocket 
for a, a, a ER visit for a kidney stone. Um, when I could have just manned up, stuck out in camp, just passed the son of a bitch. And, <laughs> and that, that thing did. We, we stuck out, we were sitting in camp and the first, the first pee I took when we got back to camp after all the hospital and all that crap, that thing came out. And I remember sitting in Courtney, we were at the pharmacy there in Idaho and in Ketchum, Idaho. So Courtney, my, uh, the, the doctor gave me a prescription to go get some pain pills and, and some stuff to help with the pain and stuff. She, she was really cool. She's like, Hey, you're going to be in the back country. I recommend you get a hotel for a couple days. I know you're not going to, so here, go get this stuff. It'll help. Um, and then get some Tylenol and, and stuff like that to help with the pain and everything. So I was like, hey, while I'm waiting my prescription, Courtney, can you go grab this stuff for me? So she grabs some some Tylenol and some ibuprofen and everything like that. That uh, we, had already, we, we had originally already planned and had in our packs and stuff, but we went and got more of some potent stuff. And uh, I remember Courtney's like, hey, I got everything. And I got me some chapstick. I was like, oh, congratulations. <laughs> and as up. I said that, I was like, holy crap. Oh. And I, I, I looked at her and was like, I think I just felt it. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I think I just felt a kidney stone like, go through into my my, my man parts. And she's like, <laughs> oh, Okay. He's like, kind of like this baffled look on my face. So nothing happened between the pharmacy and when we got back to camp. So the doctor gave me this little filter thing to, to pee into. So when we got back to camp, I was like, this could be interesting. I'm going to use it. And typically, I'm not the guy to follow any doctor's instructions. But I thought it'd be really cool. So for the first time in my life, it really paid off. I went and... And peed into this little—it's a funnel slash with a filter on the bottom of it. So I peed into it, and by God, that kidney stone came out. It's the most disgusting thing you'd ever look at in your entire life. It—it it, it looks like a little goat head or a thorn that just came out of your penis, and it's—it's it's excruciating. But it came out, and it's, look, it's in the end of this filter, and as Courtney's making her video, it's really funny, because like she said, you can hear me in the background. It, it came out. <laughs> so we, we all go looking over this thing, like, really, it's that little thing that made a big guy like you cry like a little girl? And, and that's when I realized that I'm not as tough as I thought I was. Moral of the story, Joe's really not that tough. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I, I'm not that tough, apparently. I'm going to be honest with you, though. It really wasn't that small. It and, was pretty big. And it, was... and it was definitely not what I anticipated seeing. You know, so it was it was pretty weird. And you want to like, sh- you want to like shake it around. You want to like move it for some reason. Yeah. Just shake it around a little bit and just see it move. And see so where, so where is your kidney stone now? Do you have like a, a little like case for it that you like put it on your wall or? It's funny you ask because it's still in the baggie with the filter in my garage <laughs> with, with my hunting gear. Cause I have yet to go to the doctor like I was supposed to. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> So for all yeah. of you guys, for all for everybody out there listening, um, don't follow Joe's lead. Yeah, don't go, go to, the, to doctor. the doctor. It'll save you a lot yeah. of pain. 
Um, yeah, so that ended up working out, you know, as, as good as it could work out. And, um, I ended up getting back to camp and kind of unloading everything. And we just had, you know, that, that night, that was probably like day four or five or something. I don't remember, but we had hunted really hard up to that point. And so, you know, we, we have good gear you know, high-end gear for, for bivy camping, but I don't care who you are or where you're, you know, like, spiked out at. It's not really that comfortable. You don't really sleep that well. So getting back to base camp, you know, with the wall tent and the wood stove and, you know, comfy cots and and everything, it was nice to have that the idea of sleeping there for the night and then getting back after the next morning. But we just had a really nice big fire and just a a good relaxing fun evening back at yeah. base camp yeah. and um minus yeah. the deer yeah. the weird so we had these weird deer that kept coming up into base camp and we'd also you know there the the wolves shut the 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 wilderness down a couple days in a row and there was basically the most giant piles of scat um i mean it looked like great dane poop and there was no domestic dogs out there i mean it this is these are from wolves. And you're thinking, oh my God, what kind of wolf does this have to be to, to poop like that? So, <clears throat> you know, you think of the the quintessential wolf in, in a light at nighttime, green eyes, head slung low towards the ground. Um, and uh, so as we're in camp, we are, you know, we're kind of in and out of the wall tent. We've got a fire going or whatever, and we're starting to put everything out. And I see Courtney looking over behind um, your pickup. And she's like, what's that? What is that? I got eyes. I got eyes. I got eyes. And I went over and I, I looked as well. And it's these this green set of eyes only six inches off the ground. And you can see that you can almost see its neck and head. And it looks like a wolf with its head down. Yeah, like walking. smelling the like smelling the ground, walking, and it was walking straight it was at walking me. Walking straight at us. And yeah. I'm like, uh. And then there's another one behind it, and there's another one to the left of it, and they're all m- moving, kind of fanning out, but moving in towards camp. And so I grab my pistol. I've got a thousand lumen um, flashlight that attaches to my pistol, and I lit that thing up, and it's these freaking deer walking like idiots with their heads down like, like they're do you want in the tent right. i mean am i standing in your way it was <laughs> like... super weird and so three or four times i went outside of the tent to do something in the cook tent and they're sleeping under the day shade right next to our tent they're laying there and so they blow out of there like a grouse that waits until you're just about to step on them you know grouse. and it's like and it, it makes you pee a little bit right so now your hunting clothes smell so I'm not sure why they come in. And so we're thinking, and I remember asking Court, is there something even nastier out there that are causing the deer to want to sleep in our tent? Like, right. should we should we be on notice? Or anyway, so. Um, now, yeah, that was that was a legit, legit question. Is like, why are they literally, because even through the night, they weren't 10 yards from our tent. Oh, no. higher time. I mean, 10 yards, 10 yards would have been, yeah the farthest they ever got from the tent for sure just imagine getting out of your tent in like a a sleeping haze with no flashlight and walking up onto one of them sleeping and just about pee on it and they blow they blow out of there like i'm like like why did you wait until i was almost standing on you come on you're prey you're you're 
the the buffet. And how are you still alive if you're this dumb? (laughs) So I think that uh, I think this is gonna take a part three, Joe. I think that um, you know, we're at an hour now. I think this is a pretty good spot to uh to cut this one. So can we get you on for part three? Because there's, I mean, we might not even get it done in three parts. I think we will, but I definitely want to talk about Joe's experience, how he felt physically. Um, the day he wanted to tell us both to fly a kite. Yeah. I want to talk about that story. Um, but really just dive into how you felt, what you were capable of doing this year that, you know, you said that you wouldn't have been able to do, you know, in previous years and just kind of dive into the physical aspect, you know, as well as kind of touch on some of the other hunting experiences that we had. Yeah. That'd be great. So So. so to, to recap on that. So for, for me to answer your question, that's one part of me literally the, the entire time I want to cuss you out the whole time for one hour. I want to cuss you guys out for that hike. <laughs> so, so yeah. part, so part three will just be one that we don't air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Oh yeah. What, uh, make sure it's, it's rated explicit and nobody can listen to it. And then part four, we can get back to normal schedule. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> So, Joe, if people want to reach out and uh, pat you on the back and tell you what a baby you are for not being able to pass it without going to the ER, where can they find you? Oh, hell, I, I don't know, Facebook or Instagram, Joe Willie underscore 13, I think it is. Or I, Hell, I don't know. I don't, get on, I don't get on social media too much. I just do my thing, man. I I. I I go, I work my ass off every day. I go hunt and I fish and I play golf and I'm a normal guy. I don't get paid to do this. I don't get, I don't, nobody pays me to go hunting. Nobody pays me to use their gear. I pay my own money. I have quality <laughs> gear and it's, it's money out of my own pocket. Every, everything I have. So I was actually just talking about all of the gorgeous single women who wanted to get in touch with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, we know we know where they can't find you, and that's at the doctor's office. Yeah, yeah. So don't don't let me find my Instagram thing. So I'm Joe. Oh, look how look how motivated he is now. That's perfect. Yeah, no, I am single. I am disease free, and I make good money. So. <laughs> And that happened also. And he's only got a couple babies, which he passed himself. So, and they're named Courtney and Steven. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, you guys are my best buddies. It, it's been awesome, and I look forward to the next podcast. Wherever I am for work, I live in hotels, so this will. Uh, I, I definitely will make time to make this happen. Awesome. Sounds good. So, for you guys listening, be sure to like leave a review and subscribe if you haven't already. Steven, where can they reach you if they want to talk stuff? Stuff. If you have <laughs> stuff that you want to talk about. If you have stuff, reach Steven. <laughs> if you have questions, yeah, reach right. me. If you have complaints, reach Courtney. And if you have something to give away, you can uh, reach Joe, not at the doctor's office. Um, Instagram is huntfit underscore 08 uh steven don at um for facebook and (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm thinking about so much more that i wish we had time to talk about today so slightly anyway um elevationfitnesstraining.com elevation fitness training uh instagram and facebook yeah and courtney is her outdoor journey 
That's right. That's right. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in, following along. Um, we're not going to try to drag this thing out to multiple parts, but we see a lot of squirrels and we, and we, we chase butterflies when they, when they fly in front of us. And, and if you don't like that, then I'm sorry, but that's just how, how it works. So. Sometimes it gets crazy. That's right. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Joe's going to be there, right? Yes, sir. I will. Okay. And thank you, Joe, for, for joining us on short notice. And he had no idea this was coming. We just put him on the spot. And I actually said, Joe, what are you doing in 20 minutes? You want to be on the podcast? And before he even got to answer, I said, it doesn't matter if you want to be on the podcast, you're going to be. And he's like, all right, should I call you or do you want to call me? That's literally <laughs> exactly the words that went down. It's like, I don't care what your answer is. Uh, we're going to call you in 20 minutes. Like, ah, give me 25. Perfect. <laughs> Cool. So thanks for tuning in, Joe. Thanks for uh, being on the podcast and we will check you guys next time. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously though, I really appreciate your ear and it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney, and Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting. Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.